Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone. Today, we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for November 2021. We'll focus on three key insights. 2021 sets a new record for annual sales in only 11 months. Inventory slips to a new record low in November, and inflation won't go away. My name is Justine Liu, a managing broker at Rennie, and joining me as always is Ryan Berlin, Senior Economist and Director of Intelligence, and Ryan Wise, our Senior Analyst with our Intelligence Division. I'm also excited to welcome Martha McClellan, a Rennie advisor who lives and works in Squamish, specializing in the Sea to Sky region. Welcome, everyone. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, Justine. Hey, how's it going? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you all here today. This is our last podcast record of the year. So that means we're in December. How's everybody doing? You all ready for the holidays? Not ready for the holidays, apparently. Got started on my shopping online, and I'm now having orders rejected. <laughs> so Yeah, no. the, that's because you shouldn't be shopping online. You have to support all the local stores because the supply chain issues <laughs> and the, there's no shipping. So the stores need you. The stores need yeah, you to... You have to set foot in a store for once. Yeah. We okay. actually have to move. <laughs> 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 all right. So let's get into our first insight here. 2021 sets a new record for annual sales in only 11 months. Through the 11 months of the year, total sales for the region hit 6,290, eclipsing the previous record set in 2016. So since we've reached a record in the first 11 months, where do you see us going in sales by the end of the year, Ryan? Uh, great question. It, even higher. So we, we are on pace to surpass 70,000 sales. So likely uh, we're, you know, we're into, a week into December We've already hit almost a thousand sales for December. We know that activity will eventually slow down towards the holidays, but we are on pace to surpass seventy thousand sales, which is a massive number for this region. Uh, the previous record year was twenty sixteen, and we didn't hit almost hit uh, sixty six thousand. Didn't hit sixty six thousand, and that was a, a frenzied year. If everyone remembers, twenty sixteen yeah. was quite the year. It was wild. That was all over the the media at the time headlines were all about the frenzy pace of real estate and here we are this whole year has been in the middle of a pandemic we've had a third wave a fourth wave a max mass vaccination effort mm -hmm. uh, all these things going on and yet people have still found time to buy homes in in astonishing numbers so here we are we're we're smashing the record books and uh we we should do quite a few more sales before the year is over um so a lot of that is uh, from the spring market. We talked a lot in the spring about how March was the busiest month we've ever seen. Um, but this most recent month of November was uh, quite active as well. So we did over 5,300 sales. That's up from a really, really busy November 2020. It's actually our uh, busiest November since 1989. Uh, we looked to see what was so busy about 1989, and uh, we, we didn't really come up with a good answer. But um, <laughs> November 1989 was the busiest November ever, and after that, it's this year. So it's crazy to think 32 years ago when there were 1.3 million fewer people in this region, mm -hmm. there were more sales in any month, so it happened to be November, than, mm -hmm. than, than there were this year, and any subsequent month to November 1989, and interest rates... I was going to say the interest rates were insanely high. Mortgage rates were at... Uh, the fixed five-year rate was at 12% and That's had been crazy. increasing. So it's not, it's not like 
you know, rates obviously in the early 80s were extremely high, 21%, and then they they came down over time. But during in that period leading up to November 1989, they were actually increasing. So it's not like there was a big drop-off that encouraged people to jump in at that time. So it wasn't a rates thing. There was, you know, relatively low sales in the 12 months leading up to November, like the fall of 1989. The one thing that we uncovered was that there was a significant uh, domestic migration into BC that mm. year, like the highest we've ever had, ever to this day. And was it just after a major event? Like, was there anything going on at the time in in the city? Well, it was. I think it was less about BC, more about Ontario, because oh. they were in a recession. So, like the late '80s to early '90s, um, the economy there, which is you know, it's like forty percent of the country's population was in the dumps. And so, what we what we notice over time is that people move. They're very quick to move depending on relative economic conditions. So mm-hmm. if, if one provincial economy is doing well and another's not doing well, you'll tend to see people going from the uh, latter to the former, right? And so that's what happened then. So we had a lot of people come to BC. So that it's kind of, that's what we uncovered, but it's not a great explanation. It's a very <laughs> large number for 1989. The 80s were really big in consumerism. <laughs> so <laughs> fun times. Yeah. So Ryan Wise, can you tell me a little bit more about what's driving that activity? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it was largely driven by the condo sector. So there was a lot of headlines last year about people being afraid of condos moving back out to the suburbs. A lot of people went for, I like to call it the chase for space out and get into detached homes and townhomes in the suburbs. So this year, the year over year condo sales are up about 36%. Uh, it looks like condos are really leading the way and it, it is much a function of uh, what happened last year versus what happened this year, where people weren't buying condos nearly as much as they were historically, and they mm-hmm. are again. So con- the product mix is sort of returning back to its more historical norm, where condos are, a, you know, a big part of the market here in this city, in this region. Uh, and so the detached and townhome sales were actually down in November this year compared to November last year. Um, but it, it's more again a function of uh, what happened last year, where there just weren't a lot of detached and townhome sales. That's really interesting. Um, so the trend in Squamish actually doesn't, isn't the same as the rest of the region. So in Squamish, all sales were actually down year over year. So detached and townhome sales are, were down similar to the rest of the region. But what's interesting about the condo market in Squamish is, uh, sales are down there year over year as well. And there's a few numbers that really stand out and one that really jumps off the page to me and Martha, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Um, the sales to listings ratio for condos in Squamish. So, that is the uh, number of sales in the previous month divided by the inventory. Uh, if, if that number is higher than 20%, we consider it a seller's market. And that number for November for Squamish was 112%. So that means there were more sales in the month of November than there was listings at the end of the month. So that means there's less than one month's worth of inventory for condos left in Squamish. And that's just an astonishing number. And wow. Martha, I'm just wondering how you're dealing with that, <laughs> that reality in Squamish as you try and navigate the market for your clients. It's very frustrating. I would say that Squamish is a mirror of the Vancouver market in a sense. And we do have lower numbers this, this month um, based on our sales numbers, but we'd actually have so much demand and we really we really can't keep people from coming to Squamish and Squamish has grown a ton in the last year because it's been discovered in a big way and a lot of athletes and professionals are moving there and working from home which is the trend obviously all over the country working from home and I think there was an element of first exhaustion in the market just 
by the end of November, uh, some of my buyers had bid on six or seven places and lost out. Um, and that really, you know, at Christmas, um, you know, families are just thinking I'm going to give up for now and try next year. And then, um, you know, some of the other things that have happened with my buyers, they've been priced out. So maybe the lack of supply and the fact that they're priced out, there's just not much to choose from. Some of the elevated demand might also be attributable to the recent release of the movie, The Alpinist, which you can catch on Prime. I highly recommend it. I watched it last week (laughs) and he was from Squamish. Well, he was from um, Chilliwack, but lived in Squamish and what a sad story, an amazing story. Yes, without giving anything away. There were were tears. Yeah, lots of tears. But... um, where is the so there's there is elevated demand a lot of interest in Squamish and there has been for for some time. Um, where where is that demand coming from primarily? Like when you're working with clients, are they are they mostly lower mainland based? Actually, uh, we have a few um, from Whistler who are moving out of Whistler and coming to Squamish because they realize that the value has gone up for their home and they can buy more for their money in Squamish. Just it's a little bit less expensive. It's it's tiny bit better, but not. It's coming up. We are sort of on par with North Van now, which is shocking. But um, you can do. We're not. On oh par. no! Sorry, I'm saying it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we, it is crazy. <laughs> He's shaking his head. I know. So, I looked at that. I was like, Oh no! <laughs> uh, in terms of um, families um, in Squamish, some are actually taking advantage of selling in the high market and buying in the high market so that they can get a bigger house. I have three clients who are upsizing who want to have more space for their kids and a backyard, a garage. Those are things I find most buyers are looking for right now. And then, of course, we do have some people coming from places like Seattle, Montreal, Mm. San Francisco. I just had a couple who are millennials who are both tech uh, workers, and they're moving just to have a lifestyle so they can work at home, leave during the day, go mountain biking when the weather suits them, and they can basically walk their dog out the backyard on all the trails. So there is a lifestyle element, and it's very driven by the micro neighborhoods in Squamish. So some neighborhoods mm. have sold a lot better than other neighborhoods because of the the location, the school, and the actual fabric of the neighborhood. It's interesting you talk about <clears throat> buyers coming from further afield, too, than they, maybe they have historically. Because you know, often we think about non-local buyers in Squamish coming from maybe the North Shore, sort of a similar lifestyle. And historically, uh, when values were a little bit different, you could sell your, certainly your West Van or maybe even your North Van home and put a little aside and still be able to afford to live in Squamish. But now there's a broader appeal, it seems. And that's sort of your point about Squamish being a bit of a microcosm for the, uh, of the region as a whole. We could we talk about where is this demand coming from, right? Like, first of all, I think we have to acknowledge that interest rates are, there's, there's hyper-focus on interest rates mm-hmm. increasing, but they're still extremely low. Like, money's really, really cheap, right? Mm-hmm. So that is one thing. So that's enabling a lot of people to participate in the market at certain price points that they otherwise wouldn't be able to. But then from a demographic perspective, BC is benefiting, we've talked about this before on the podcast, from huge inflows of migrants, right? Like, mm-hmm. immig- so Canada this year is is on pace currently to um, admit more permanent residents in 2021 than we ever have in any year, which is incredible. Um, and then domestically, BC, and so, and Metro Vancouver as a whole, um, 
which doesn't quite include Squamish technically, but we can we can fold it in. Uh, accounts for eleven percent of those migrants, right? So it's not so one out of every ten immigrants that comes to Canada ends up sort of on the southwest corner of the province. And then over the past five quarters, we've attracted on a net basis more people from the rest of Canada than any other province. So at forty three thousand people, Nova Scotia is second at twelve thousand. So it's a huge there's a huge wedge there. So there's a there are a few factors at play. There's just a lot of eyeballs on our market, a lot of people wanting to be here for lifestyle reasons and, and to work remotely and um, it's tough to see it abating anytime soon. Yeah, I would say definitely for Squamish, a little bit different maybe than Vancouver. We used to, well, when I bought 15 years ago in Squamish, I came from Whistler and I bought because it was affordable, but now people are buying because it's cool and they want to be in Squamish because Squamish is a great place to live and it's on the map. You can be on the ocean and in the mountains mm-hmm. and you're very close to Whistler and all the activities that you can do are so accessible that um, you know it's made it, easy for people to actually work full-time and the median income in Squamish is 88,000 for a for a family so it's not you know people are making money and still enjoying their life and I think we've redefined that in Squamish we've really you know kids are um, um, in school and moms are being seen in groups going for a a trail ride on their bikes at two o'clock before the kids get out of school and they've worked Mm -hmm. all morning from their office and it just I think that on the map, Squamish is that place that you can have it all in that respect if you want to have the lifestyle and you want to have, you know, a great job because you can work remotely and still get to the city in 50 minutes. For instance, it took me 55 minutes to get down to the Lionsgate Bridge today. So it's pretty simple in that way. Yeah, me wanting to move to Squamish now. <laughs> I know, it sounds so good. Actually, when you put it like that, 55 minutes from Squamish to, to the Lionsgate, I mean, I live in Richmond, and still with traffic, it's roughly almost sometimes the same amount of time, if not longer. So it's actually not yeah. that far. And it and it's a beautiful drive. I mean, the Sea to Sky has obviously been uh, revamped and added to and fixed and for the Olympics, and it's still being fixed, and it's just a stunning drive. So it's not a, a bad commute. Definitely. So let's go into insight number two. Inventory slips to new record lows in November. Total listings fell to 9,530, another record low, and the first time it's been below 10,000 in any November. So Ryan Wise, this is really low. How low do you think we can go? Um, it'll probably get lower. Um, so this is this is record territory again. It's the, the theme of this month is mm-hmm. all the records we're breaking. So inventory has only been below 10,000 twice. Both times we're in a December and both of those times, that previous November was over 13,000. Historically, we see a huge drop off in inventory from November to December because in November, or sorry, in December, no one wants to list their home. They're busy. They're holiday parties and everything mm-hmm. else that's going, all the fun stuff that's going on in December. So in a typical year, we see a huge drop off in inventory from November to December. And here we are as of recording a week into December, and we're already below 9,000. So inventory as of today is 89.78. That's incredibly low. We've seen, um, when we look at the different product types, we've seen the detached market drop by 30% year over year. We've seen the condo market drop by 45% year over year. And probably the most shocking of all is the townhouse market, which has dropped 55% year over year. We're down to just over 1,000 townhomes available in the entire region as of the end of the month which is, is really not not much. I know a thousand sounds like a big number, but it's it's nothing. It's it's incredibly low. And last month we had over 900 townhouse sales. So again, the sales to listings ratio for townhomes within the region is almost 100%. We have 
basically one month's worth of inventory of townhomes available right now. And again, we know that probably not very many people are going to list their homes in December. So probably we'll see even fewer townhomes available as of the end of December. So just to put into context here, 1,000 for the month of November in inventory for townhomes is, is very low. But what is the typical number that we would be expecting for a month? So the previous 10-year average for November is a little over 2,400. Okay. So less than half of that is where we're at right now. So at, again, a typical November, you'd see almost 2,500 townhomes available for sale in this region. Wow. And then Squamish inventory is also severely constrained. Condo inventory is down 23% year over year. Um, and at the other end of the spectrum, townhouse inventory is down 44%. So mm, you're just yeah. not seeing, you know, as you mentioned, there's not a lot of options for buyers right now. Exactly. I know that um, November 2020, we had 160 units listed. And November 2021, I just checked today, 82 units listed. So you don't have much choice, but also there's an issue with the sellers because sellers are hanging on tight because they have nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. And so if you haven't already figured out where you're going to go, you're not going to sell. And we're running into this problem where uh, families want to buy something, but they need to sell their house in order to buy. And so things that have popped up in our market are things like seller subjects, which are really tricky to deal with Mm -hmm. because the families want to know that their house is sold before they go into the next one because the prices are changing so quickly. They have to know exactly what they're buying and for how much. So yeah, the, the constraint this on the inventory is not surprising, especially in December, but also just with all of the demand and that has piled up over the last year of people waiting in line, we have literal lineups of people at open houses waiting to get in like 22 people in one afternoon to, to see a house. Well, exactly. And that's the thing is that for every home that gets sold, there's a, there's some unmet demand that's associated with that. So, well, there's um, 21 people who didn't get a house who are ready for the next one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you think about that, that's, that is one listing or one sale. And you just mentioned that there were, um, 80, 82 units, two yeah. homes so. available for purchase. So that's like a quarter of the, the available supply in the market mm-hmm. right now. Right. And it's really interesting. Like I know my economist friends would, uh, poo poo this notion <laughs> from a technical perspective, but this this idea that as, as you mentioned, that low supply is begetting low supply in the sense that people just are so unwilling to let go of what they have because then they're kind of in so-called no man's land like you know and and maybe you achieve a great number on paper for your home and you feel good about that when you sell but then you really have you have nowhere to go and i know you mentioned younger families and i think about um older households baby boomers who are making sort of their final move right this is the last kick of the can to sort of like squeeze out any value in their home and and make one more move just that maybe a downsize maybe move from their Mm -hmm. current neighborhood they're so reluctant to dislodge themselves from their current situation because it's it, it works for them. It's just that they know at some point they wanna they wanna downsize. And I think for me, <clears throat> I look at it as well, what would change this dynamic, right? Like why would inventory increase? It's very, very hard given the demographic headwinds. Um, you look at the, you know, Metro Vancouver added employment in this region rose by about five percent. Over the past year, nationally, it rose closer to 4%. So the jobs are there. Um, the migration is there. Um, we have a ton. We've talked about this, like $400 billion of mortgage-free equity uh, in this market. There's a lot of um, support of activity 
And you kind of go like, well, why? Okay, on the supply side, why would that increase? The labor market's strong. People want to be here. Um, and so I look at these variables that you can't really account for, like Omicron. I don't know who named that. It sounds like a it's Decepticon. A, it's so sinister. It is. Yeah, but it's rebranding. Like, They're rebranding. Because they, yeah. they skipped yeah. over new because they didn't want the Abbott and Costello routine of the new variant. Oh, yes. Well, which yeah. one? The new one. The new one. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, totally. Like what, you know, so is, if it's not Omicron, then what's the next one after that? And does that lead to, does that shake up our economy, people's ability to move? Does it, does it affect the housing market? We don't know, right? We can't predict it. Um, the other side is uh, the unemployment rate. Like typically when we see the unemployment rate rise, uh, inventory rises because you have a situation where people are no longer um, able to service the mortgage on their home and they want to go from underneath of the debt. So they list their home. And that's where you start to see prices sag as well. But, you know, everything is pointing to a strong labor market, as I mentioned, with recent job growth. Our unemployment rate locally is 5.7%, um, which is getting a lot closer to the pre-pandemic 4.5%. So it's really, really hard to see why we would see more homes. Like, who's going to make the first move? Like, why would there be a, mm -hmm. a real strong increase in inventory? And may maybe, it, maybe the answer lies on the demand side of the market, that... Uh, for some reason, if we see a slowdown in sales, the inventory has a chance to build up, and then there, there are sort of there are more options for buyers. But it's tough to see at this point. We have a particular issue in Squamish right now because our mayor and council really support infill, and they really want to take um, density to a whole different level, um, which is great in terms of supply, and that might help us in the long run. But it has really put a stress on the single-family home market because all the buyers are feeling like we're never going to have another single-family home to purchase in Squamish. They're not developing any new sites in mm. the next five years with single-family homes. It's all townhomes and condos. So there's a stress on people to either stay in their single-family home or buy one as soon as they can get their hands on one. So that creates a whole other level of anxiety. For sure. Well, if people are hanging on to their single family home, there's that sort of inefficient market. If they don't need the single family home, but they're scared to give it up, then they're sort of over consuming their housing. Yeah. You start to worry when realtors, when realtors are talking about their own homes and saying, I'm never selling because my kids will never have their own house here. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. sad. Yeah, absolutely. So Martha, given this incredibly constrained inventory, uh, we, we've seen a lot of price growth, both across the region uh, and Squamish in particular. The median prices have really risen the last year. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of uh, your buyers being able to find those homes at, if, even if there is a listing available, that sort of price points that work for them? Generally speaking, um, it's getting harder and harder. And the average price, so the median price from November 2020 was about 736000 um, that would be all types of homes. So townhomes, condos, that's the average of single family homes, townhomes and condos. Um, the detached home is, is one, two, eight, nine. So that's, that's pretty substantial. But then when you get into November, 2021, like we just saw the detached homes are now up 1.54. Mm -hmm. So that means a $252,000 increase. And that's a down payment for most people. Right. And that would price a lot of people out of the market right away. The condos um, and townhomes have also gone up 189000 on the average since last year at this time. So this brings us into insight number three. Inflation won't go away. It was up 
to 4.7% in Canada in October and 3.8% in BC and Metro Vancouver. So what is behind these numbers and why does it matter? This feels like, in relation to the first two insights, quite the pivot. But really, when we were talking about rising asset prices, rising home prices, and we know the prices of all things that we consume have been increasing notably this year. Um, there's a few reasons for it, right? So, so just just to just to sort of um, backstop those numbers that you just noted, those are like 4.7 percent inflation, like a year-over-year increase in consumer consumer uh, goods prices is significant. It's um, it's outside of the one to three percent range that the Bank of Canada likes. It's more than double its target of two percent, right? So inflation is running hot. So the price of things on average is um, increasing uh, significantly, the most in 30 years, right? So this is a real thing. Um, the real question is, you know, how long does this go on for? We'll come back to that in a sec. Um, but why is it happening? There's some base year effects that we've talked about before. At this time last year, inflation was at 0.6%. So we were sort of, we were, what, at that point, uh, eight months into the pandemic, uh, we had experienced some deflation and the economy was reinflating. So we started to see prices increase, but very, very slowly. So prices were at a depressed level. And so they're now part of the movement up, this rapid movement up is moving back to where they maybe would have been had we not experienced this tumultuous, you know, mm-hmm. 21 months um, due to the pandemic. Um, some of it is supply chain disruptions, obviously. Um, there's a lot of demand for certain things and not other things. Um, and it's because of um, COVID-related labor constraints in other countries. And I mean, I mean, most recently and obviously here in BC in the southwestern corner, um, we have very localized supply constraints now that many highways and, and, and uh, uh, rail connections have been disrupted. Um, what we're seeing, though, is inflation is really concentrated in the good side of the market. So like the tangible things that we buy as opposed to services. And again, that goes back to um, the inability of um, uh, suppliers to get their goods to the to the end users. So it sounds like a pedantic conversation, like talking about inflation again. But so why do we care? We care because the Bank of Canada cares. Right. And the Bank of Canada holds the key to. Uh, at least, well, a couple different interest rates, but most are directly that that so-called overnight policy interest rate, which most directly impacts variable rate mortgages, um, the interest rate they might pay on your home equity line of credit or other lines of credit. So right now it's at 0.25%, which is effectively zero. It's the lowest it's ever been. Um, but now that we've had sort of sustained inflation for a while, and now that the jobs report that came out last Friday was quite strong, once again, economists got it way wrong. There was four times as many jobs added in the last month than economists predicted, but they didn't ask me. Um, and so what that, but what that says is the economy is getting its, its footing and we're getting back to a, a more quote-unquote normal level. So they don't want to keep the interest rates so low. So we're going to see interest rates rise for sure, that, that policy rate. And the expectation is it might go up by about 50 basis points at a minimum in 2022. Um, possibly three or four increases, which might take it up a percentage point. But what I find really interesting is that we have been talking about future interest rate increases, but we've actually been experiencing increases in interest rates, specifically fixed uh, five-year fixed mortgage rates, which have gone up by 55 basis points over the past eight months. Right, So they've gone up by more than what sort of that minimum expectation is for the Bank of Canada's rate 
to go up next year is. And during that time, prices have gone up at, at an unprecedented level in our housing market and activity has been sustained. So I would just like to point that out, that we have been dealing with a rising interest rate environment currently. And next year, if they do go up by another you know, 50 basis points, we've, we've, we've run the math. I think we talked about it on the last podcast. It does impact households' ability to purchase all else being equal. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a 50 basis point, a half percentage point increase in the borrowing rate, it essentially reduces a household's ability to purchase or their maximum purchase price by 4.4%. I remember you saying um, in one of your other presentations, Ryan, that the government knows, the Canadian government knows that we as Canadians, 88% or something, are relying on our primary residents in order to retire. So therefore, raising the interest rates in a in an accelerated manner will really cause some problems in our economy in general and that it will really affect how people spend their money and and it could cause you know a domino effect is this true for sure the bank of canada is looking at the big picture the bank of canada doesn't only think about housing prices (laughs) that's a consideration right but um they have to consider what the implications of a of a of a an, an interest rate increase in terms of uh, magnitude and the cadence of those increase increases, what that what that impact would be overall. And the reality is, like whether you like it or not, as you say, Canadians are many Canadians are relying on their principal residence as the source of their retirement funds. Um, they are n- maybe not saving money in traditional uh, retirement vehicles um, so that they can put money into their home. And so that's definitely a consideration. And they are between a rock and a hard place, honestly, because they want to be able to increase interest rates and they'll do it in a, they'll try to signal um, very clearly what their plan is so they don't catch people off guard, Mm -hmm. people, businesses, investors, anybody, right? Um, But if inflation continues to run hot, um, they are going to want it to cool. So they will start to increase that rate. And, but just not too fast because they don't want to tank the economy. They don't want homeowners to feel such a pinch that they are now selling when they wouldn't otherwise sell. But on the flip side, they need some, they need some policy room to deal with the next economic downturn whenever that is. And right now they don't really have it with an interest rate of 0.25% because you can't really lower that to incentivize spending Mm -hmm. um, and disincentivize hoarding money. So it, they're in a very, very tricky spot, but I think that we're, I think paying it to all of us, like we all have access to this information, actually, every, you know, essentially every month, I think it's 10 times a year, the Bank of Canada, they sit down, they talk about the thinking behind their interest rate decision, and they will always signal what their intentions are for the next year, the next two years. And I think that language is very, very important because if you're a household, especially if your mortgage is renewing, right, because you're in your home, um, you want to stay in your home. Um, you need to be aware that you might be facing higher interest rates than exist today. However, they might be lower interest rates than you're currently paying mm-hmm. if your contract was initially signed, let's say, four, four and a half years mm-hmm. ago. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out. But I think households need to be quite aware of um, what the impact of these increases might be on their finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I hear you talk about the interest rates, it does resonate with me because my buyers are always asking me what I think. Um, I can't tell them enough to go and see a mortgage broker and to to do their homework because 
on the average, most people just hear the news and they think, oh, it's good. The, the interest rates are going up. I'm going to I'm going to not be able to afford my house. But and so they want to buy quickly. But really, the amount it's going up isn't really going to affect them drastically. It's the people that are in the, their mortgage now in their five year term. And when they come out of that term, that's when they'll notice the big difference. So. Really, um, what I try to do for my buyers is explain that when they when they go to research their ability to purchase a house, see a, go and see a mortgage broker and really understand what they can afford because where it will affect us with inflation and interest rates is the, our household debt. And our household debt is so big in Canada that if if it gets to the point where we can't afford our groceries and then our mortgage goes up, it's, that's where things start to crumble. And th- and for a lot of people coming into the Squamish market, they're buying at a higher price than they would have normally in another part of the country. And they might be stretching a little bit more than they should. We'll just be a bunch of skinny, naked homeowners. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Martha, we've been talk- you've been talking a lot about how inventory has been very low and prices have been going up. How are you advising your clients right now on the current situation with um, with what's going on in the market in Squamish? I would say uh, because of the lack of inventory and the demand, um, we've we have this environment of competition and multiple offers, and it can create a scenario where a buyer would put in an offer without conditions, so subject free and no inspection, and they wouldn't have their financing all dialed. My advice is. We go in with a pre-inspection and we have your financing dialed. So crunch the numbers, know what you can afford, know what your limits are. Don't go beyond that and really try to stay unemotional, even though it's so hard. Mm -hmm. It is such an emotional purchase. But if you can look at the big picture and look at the long range and make sure you're making the right investment in the right location, what's going to work for you is what you can afford. And I hate to see people go in and risk everything just because they feel like they're not going to get something. There will always be more. We're always going to have more sales and more houses for sale. It's just going to take time. Yeah, I think it's that um, that trigger of urgency that everybody always feels. If they miss out on this one, then the next one might not come. And exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's dangerous. Great. That's really great advice. So Martha, do you have any final advice that you want to share with any potential homeowners? Well, just what I said um, in terms of being prepared. I think that's a really important thing for buyers in this market and also sellers. Sellers need to know where they're going. Do you have a plan? Are you moving somewhere? Where are you going to move to? Because of the lack of inventory, there just isn't a lot of choice right now. So um, have a plan. Make sure that you've sort of narrowed down your idea of where you want to be because with the lack of inventory, you really have to be specific in what you want. Mm-hmm. Do you want a garage? Do you want a, a backyard? Do you want a view? Those choices aren't always there right now. And you may have to make considerations or compromises. So as long as you know where you're at financially and you know what you can afford, I think working with a realtor that you really trust and understanding the market and doing your homework is the most important thing. That's great advice. And for our listeners, for those who want to find out more information, how can they reach out to you? I think uh, a phone call is probably the best. You can text or call me at 604-848-5811 or Rennie.com. Great. Thank you. So on today's podcast, we cover three main insights. The first being record-breaking annual sales. 
The second was record low number of inventories for the month of November. And the last was ongoing inflation is going to lead to higher interest rates. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. And that's a wrap of this episode of the Rennie Podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Thank you, Martha, for joining us today. We really appreciate the time that you spent driving here as well as taking the time here to sit with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was really, really fun. I loved it. Thanks, really Martha. appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Ryan Berlin and Ryan Wise. Thank you so much. I look forward to our January podcast. Thanks, Sounds Justine. Good. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and our other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com.